Do you manage your own IT for distributed teams in Asia? And you know how painful it is. Esavel helps your in-house team by taking cumbersome tasks off their hands and giving them the tools to manage IT effectively. Get help across eight countries in Asia Pacific from on and offboarding, procuring devices, to real-time IT support and device management. With our state-of-the-art platform, gain full control of all your IT infrastructure in one place. Our team of IT support pros are keen to help you grow. So check out esevel.com and get a demo today. Use our referral code ASIA for three months free. Terms and conditions apply. I think there's three main things. The first is a continuation of the strategic investments that we're making across the regions in the markets that we serve. The second one is an acceleration of our ecosystem because our partners play such an important part in the success of our customers and also themselves and us as well. And the third one is really the innovation. The constant innovation on our platform is critical and there is no sign of that slowing down as we look forward into 2023 and beyond. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the premier podcast dedicated to dissecting the pulse of business technology and media in Asia. I'm Bernard Leung, and designing better products and services with the right user experience is core to many businesses out there in Asia Pacific and Japan. With me today, Bridget Archibald, the Managing Director of Quadrix in the Asia Pacific and Japan. Bridget, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bernard. It's great to be here. Mm. It's a pretty interesting subject to talk about because when I was working in AWS, one of the tools that I actually use is actually Quadrix. And usually we use it to conduct survey, to understand user behavior, customer behavior as such. But of course, you being the first time on our show, I want to know your origin story. How do you start your career? Well, I started my career with a real passion of not just technology itself, actually, but more how technology is used in business. And that probably let me down because when I first applied for a graduate trainee position with NCR at the time, a big American organization, I actually didn't get the job because I didn't have a computer background, a computer science background. So it was actually when I called in to find out why, because I really was passionate about this role and I wanted some feedback, right? I wanted to understand why. And I found out that the actual recruiter wanted me to get the role. So it was having that curious mind which actually opened up another opportunity with inside NCR. I'm sorry, if there's people out there starting out, my advice would be to maintain a curious mind and seek feedback, right? Because that's how we approve. And then from there, I've traversed a lot of American technology firms in particular and really looking for ways to do product management, product marketing, solution marketing, alliance marketing, channel marketing, obviously enterprise sales. And again, that's my other top tip is that you can actually progress your career through traversing, not always going vertical. One interesting thing from understanding your career and reviewing your LinkedIn profile, you've worked in many key enterprises before Quadrix. I mean, the Salesforce, HP. What have you learned from these companies in thinking about the business to business or what we call B2B sales? Because it's pretty different from when you engage a consumer for purchase as well. It is. And I have spent a lot of time leading sales teams and also doing that function myself. I would say there are three things. The best is to be a business catalyst. One of my favorite things to research and talk about with organizations from a B2B perspective is who is an ideal customer and why. So I'd encourage people to think about being a business connector. 
If I know who that customer is, that B2B organization is seeking, I try and make connections at an executive level. So you're actually engaging before you're selling anything. The second key thing, and my sales teams, no matter which organization I've worked with, will say this about me. I always say it's not your customer's job to understand your relevance. It's your job to be relevant. So they're probably the two main things that I would say. And probably finally, out of the work that I did as a board member, I actually realized that my competition was not the other vendor. My competition in any B2B sale is alternative use of funding. And if you can't help your, the organization that you're serving to understand why they should prioritize on your solution over any other thing that they're doing, technology or otherwise, then you probably don't deserve the business in the first place. That's actually very good points that a lot of people here can actually draw on thinking about B2B sales. But I want to zoom in a lot more in thinking about your career journey. I mean, given you have the curious mind have taken you across different paths and all in the technology business, what key lessons can you share with my audience about your career journey? Well, it's very hard for somebody to help you if they don't know what you want to do. So I would encourage everybody to make sure that executives at the organization they're working with and just people within your network know what you want to do and, but most importantly, why? Because what I've found out fairly early on in my career is that if I go to a senior person in an organization with not just what I was thinking, but why, they have a different view. They have a much more longer term lens. They can see what's coming. So if I'm able to articulate why I want to do something, then it helps Others help me. So that would be my top tip. Wow, that's pretty crisp and clips. I want to get to the main subject of the day. I want to talk about Quadrix, the company, and in Asia Pacific and Japan, and also talking about the concept of experience management. As a technology professional, I'm pretty familiar with these things, but I know my general audience who are decision makers who are thinking about making decisions about these things would be curious to know. But to start off, can you provide a Comprehensive overview of Quadrix as a global company. I understand uh, just from my digging, it was actually acquired by SAP in 2019 and also taken to public listing in NASDAQ. And I think currently it's working about 17,000 organizations globally to manage their customer and employee experience programs. So, All righty. Well, when people ask me, what does Quadrix do? I like to say we help organizations act with precision and confidence that what they're going to do next is the right thing. Now, in this environment that we are all operating in, being able to have a solution and a partnership that enables that confidence and enables it swiftly is pretty unique. The way I describe it is think about operating a business like you're driving down the freeway. So your business is your car and you're driving at 100 kilometers an hour. When you're going down a highway at that speed, you need to know how your business is operating. That's your dashboard, right? That's all the operating data. That, and this is part of the acquisition originally from SAP because all of that operating data is visible to organizations. And when you're driving at speed, when you're operating your business, you need to know how your car is running. But what Qualtrics is a windscreen that tells you what's coming, that there's a bend in the road because of how your customers are feeling, how your employees are feeling, how your brand is perceived. So you can use that view to accelerate out of that bend and certainly adjust what you're doing with your vehicle. So that's the analogy that I like to use, especially if people aren't so familiar with technology and certainly unique. 
Where did we start? We started in a basement 20 years ago. Our founders really built a platform for research, but we've evolved since then. So we now have, to your point, it was good research, 17,000 customers, but we also have over 5,000 employees in over 20 offices around the world. And in Asia, we started actually in Sydney. We had a shared service office here in 2015. And that was right about the time that we coined the phrase experience management. So we came up with that whole discipline around experience management. And since then, our growth in this region has been astronomical. Um, we have offices and businesses in Southeast Asia, Japan, India, Korea, Australia, New Zealand, and also Greater China. Um, so tremendous growth. And that growth is just fueled by the impact of being able to help organizations with some of their most strategic questions. Mm. And this is where when I started researching about the company a lot more just in preparation for this interview, I got into the concept of experience management. So I think I want to dive a little bit deeper onto that. Can you introduce the concept and the total market opportunity of experience management, which I understand is the practice of designing and improving products, services, and experiences for businesses and other organizations? And what is how Quadrix is actually positioned to deliver value for this experience management for the customers? Absolutely. So if we think about every single human on this planet, their desire to be heard and understood is universal. So what we help organizations do is listen, understand contextually to what else is happening inside their business, and then most importantly, take action on how their customers are feeling, how their employees are feeling, how their potential customers are feeling, what the perception is on their brand. So it's really a single platform to allow you to listen, understand, and take action. The way that we've built the platform is it's really centered around the four core experiences of any organization, regardless of industry. And you can start this journey at any point, but I'll start with brand. So you have a brand promise as an organization, and that brand promise is delivered through the products and services that you bring to market. So you have brand experience and interacting with product experience. And that product experience is enabled through employee experience and ultimately, that all results in customer experience. So it's not a set and forget type of approach. It's a discipline that requires a culture of action. You and I have both worked in the technology industry a long time, right? And I know you would have been in many conversations where organizations talk about being data rich and insight poor. Well, our platform can help organizations be insight rich. And what a shame if they're action poor. So we like to work on making sure that organizations are taking the action. Mm. So getting that call to action is very important in the experience management piece. But I think in terms of the market opportunity, where does this experience management actually, is it there's a lot more organizations out there that actually need this specific type of the four experiences that you have already laid out earlier? Yeah, every single organization, regardless of industry, can benefit from becoming experience-centric. I was reading some PwC research. It's just been released, actually. It's a CEO survey that they do annually, and the 2023 PwC CEO survey has just come out. 40%, 40% of CEOs do not believe that they have a sustainable business in the next decade unless they change. 
So that gets back to, you know, surfacing what to do next, right? It's not a suggested action. It's a recommended action based on data. And of those CEOs, when they look at what are the things that will impact profitability positively or negatively over the next 10 years, what are the things to focus on? It's the changing needs of customers, the changing needs of the regulation that they're working within, and certainly the talent that they're trying to acquire. And they're the things that focusing on XM can surface and can help organizations with. The total addressable market is 60 billion US dollars. So, you know, it's great to have so many customers doing such inspiring work, but we're just getting started. Mm. And we are just getting started. So I'm very curious, right? We talked about the four experiences. So what are the types of problems which projects are purportedly solved to solve all the customers, maybe we can dive a little bit deeper into those user experiences itself. Yeah, I think I touched on it earlier in terms mm. of that human desire to be heard and understood. Mm. It's very easy to listen to the loud people. It's very easy to listen to negative posts on social, or, but we want to listen to every voice is equal, right? We can make decisions if we're not careful and if we don't have the right platform on a subset of loud voices. So we want to help organizations listen to all voices. I'll give you a good example. So another way I like to talk about Qualtrics is we turn rumors into facts. So we work with a retail bank here in the region who their rumor was they had a cart abandonment issue on their website. So consumers were applying for credit cards, almost completing the process and abandoning. So that's what they thought the problem was. When we work with them with our digital CX or digital customer experience, we saw very quickly it was much worse than card abandonment. You know, we knew that this bank had a certain amount of dollar figure for each, each customer they were trying to acquire. But what was happening was it was a really poor UX design and there was a tiny button on the bottom that said apply now. And the actual consumers had thought they'd completed the process and they were missing that button. So the reason I like that example is this didn't require a massive team of XM professionals in the business to take action. What it required was that data to be given back to the UX team that already existed. And what they realized was most people, that the UX, the design of the website was based on a laptop and most people were trying to do it on their phones. So they're missing that button. So once they saw that insight and took action, their credit card applications went up by 43, 43%. Yeah. So this is the other good thing about experience management. It's very measurable in terms of its impact. And that's very interesting because I was just about to talk about how you help the customers to determine and resolve their experience. So you also provide the insight of, okay, in the bank card, it's just making change of the UX, changing, maybe helping to further the mobile experience so that people can press the correct button and get to it. Do you actually also provide the insights of, let's say, for example, experiments that you can actually perform to say, maybe there are different types of UX that we can try to help that bank to get more credit card signups then? Yeah, I'll give you a good example. So most people, most executives on this podcast will understand intellectually the association between engaged employees and better customer outcomes. Well, we can actually show through our platform. An example will be this technology company that we work with as B2B. And they could see that the data showed them and the analytics built into our platform showed them if they wanted to move the customer 
experience the highest, it would be to focus on first call resolution. So no ambiguity. You re- you get to first call, call resolution with your technician, that will have the biggest impact on your customer experience. So then when they looked at the employee engagement data as well, they saw that the, if they wanted to move to first-time call resolution, the biggest lever for them specific to their business was recognizing and rewarding great service. Now, it could have been free lunches. It could have been anything. But the data showed them that if they focused on recognition programs of their engineers, they were nine times more likely to do first call resolution. And then, as the chief operating officer said, that was so easy for them to measure, not just the better customer experience, but also the engagement and the reduced operating costs by getting to first-time resolution. I'm actually enjoying this conversation because it seems that everything you're talking about is very counterintuitive to what people are thinking. So I think you talk about the profiles of some of the customers, like for example, UX teams, maybe CEOs thinking about how to improve their product. Are there any other like customer profiles you haven't talked about that will actually adopt Quadrix as a solution? So this is the fun thing, Bernard, that every single organization can benefit from becoming experience-centric. We sell to primary schools. We certainly sell to a lot of universities that do research on our platform and also customer experience. We sell to the biggest banks in this region. We sell to public sector. And the impact on our platform in terms of citizen experience and moving the trust barometer is real and tangible in the public sector. We sell to hospitals. We, there isn't any industry that I can think of that cannot benefit from becoming experience-centric. And I'll give you a B2B one that even surprised me when I first joined Qualtrics. We have a customer in this region that manufactures cement. And they came to us because they lost one customer. And that one customer was of tens of millions of dollars worth of revenue. And when the executive team put a swarm on that, they realized that their customer, who they had decades-long relationship with, was screaming at the company for over 18 months to fix the problems, but it wasn't surfacing anywhere. So for some organizations, it can just simply be, we cannot afford to lose one customer. We cannot afford to attract the wrong employees. We cannot afford to lose our employees. Usually something is happening um, and an organization either doesn't know why or wants to know why. Hmm. Since we are in Asia, Pacific and Japan, can you describe some key customers in different countries who are adopting projects and what, what are the use cases? Yeah, so a lot of them are using all parts of the platform and some have just started on their journey. So OCBC, Standard Chartered, a lot of government agencies. And in fact, the work that we're doing in government is really interesting in terms of disaster recovery. So when there's a disaster, if you're a citizen, you don't necessarily know what services are available. So we use our platform with government agencies to surface what's available and the citizen authenticates once who they are and then we measure and track the government's response to those issues. The really cool thing about that use case is we actually worked with the Ukraine refugee organizations and used that same use case over in Poland to help Ukraine refugees surface what was available for them in those, in those horrific refugee situations. 
So mm. it, you and I are enjoying this conversation because we're talking about the humans behind the transactions, and mm. that's what makes this really special. Mm. And I'm pretty curious to know, since you were with banks and even using the same platform for refugees as well, what is the one thing you know that many people do not know about Quadrix? I would say the power of the platform. You know, it's so easy to deploy. It's so fast to deploy, but the speed to value is even more incredible. And so some the platform can sit inside an organization, but I can confidently say, based on how we started this conversation, what we can help organizations solve matter at the boardroom. So I would say that's our challenge to, to really continue to bring that into the boardroom to help any organization make faster, better, informed decisions. Okay. So I'm going to switch gears to talk a lot more about some of the things about employee experience trends. I know Aquatics has published a pretty interesting report on that. Can you talk about what are the critical trends in redefining how employees are thinking about work in the Asia Pacific and Japan? I know we nowadays people are talking about work from home, hybrid work, remote work, and even other things as well, given the change that we have got through the pandemic. I think we are in a post-pandemic era. Yeah. And, you know, my offer is if anybody wants this report, the EX Trends report or the CX Trends report, I would love to share it. What's really fascinating is that things are changing and they're changing constantly. How I feel about coming into work today may differ absolutely by this afternoon, depending upon what's going on. So the key things from the report are that the leader's perception of their experience is actually very different in a lot of cases to the employee's. So the key thing about getting that insight is to then take the action. Why is it that way, right? My perception of how great it is to work here is often very different to the other employees that aren't leaders. And then the other thing is that this change is not going to stop. So we need to help organizations know when to listen, when to ask the right question, how often to ask the question, how to ask the question. So this whole EX world is evolving very quickly and, it's, and it won't change. Every single chief human resource officer I meet with, we all acknowledge that it was much easier when everyone was working from home or when everyone was in the office. But leading through and keeping people connected through this hybrid world is very challenging. Mm. And then what should the executives do in response to some of these trends that you mentioned? I think they need to really investigate what's happening inside their business. And although we have a platform to do this, we also have advisory services to help organizations know what their listening program should look like. One of the things that's really fascinating is our heritage is about asking the right question at the right time to get the right insight to take the right action. But 80% of all the data, experience data inside the business is already there. It's come through the call center. It's it's posted on websites. It's in chat. So the exciting thing about our platform now is we can help service all of that unstructured data, all that unsolicited data, and consume that without asking a single question. And then if you think about it, there are also studies that actually also suggested that businesses in my region, I think Southeast Asia, are also risking about $165 in revenue due to poor customer experience. I think there's a lot of ongoing experiments going on by a lot of traditional mainstream businesses to think about how to 
augment the experience and make it better for the consumers like myself. What's your advice to leaders to address this kind of situation? You know, the opportunity in that statement, 165 billion, a lot of those organizations wouldn't even know that the opportunity was missed. I'll give you a personal example. It seems to be about credit cards today. I lost my wallet and I had to get my credit cards replaced. And I had two different financial institutions. I went to one and I couldn't do it on the app. Both had apps. I couldn't get a new card on the app. So I waited in line in the call center. I got through on the contact center. I had to authenticate myself a couple of times, all very annoying. It took about 20 minutes and I still wasn't given an SLA on when that card would arrive. The second financial institution, I did it in a couple of clicks through the app. Now, the first one didn't even realize necessarily how frustrated I was or how great my experience was, but guess where I've moved all my transactional banking? And Mm -hmm. no one contacted me from the bank that I left. So the 165 billion is real. I can tell you in Australia, 56% of all calls go unresolved in terms of customer complaints. So that opportunity is real, but the organization needs to have a platform to surface where to focus on and what action to take. Do you think it's a lack of tool sets or that actually to change the experience as well by these companies? Because it's like you can actually use your platform to identify, give the cause of correction and then the insight so that, you know, the call to action makes it work, right? But sometimes it also could be the tools they have. Maybe it's legacy, maybe it's too old and not able to cope. And they have to make some transition costs in order to change their system. Maybe like a PPX system to service calls, you know, on that. Yeah. And they also want to find out. And they more, most importantly, they want to take action. If I go to one extreme, there's some organizations that would rather not know. They'll just keep running the business as they run it, right? Um, but you know, one an interesting thing about what you've said is the Singapore government has recognised the importance of this, and they, in a partnership with Qualtrics and SAP, have stood up the XM Centre of Innovation in Singapore, and one of the core deliverables is to bring 180,000 certified professionals that are focused on experience management. And that's a really good testament to the fact that this isn't just what we believe the market will be. This is employment for the future. That's a very good point. I think we've seen so much change in the last few years on customer experience and experience management. I think we are now in 2023 and, you know, there's a lot of tight layoffs going on and everybody's worried that, you know, this whole remote world will change as well. So I want to know what is your outlook for 2023? Well, our primary responsibility is to make our customers wildly successful. If we make our customers wildly successful, their revenue goes up, their growth in their revenue goes up, their profitability goes up, their employment retention goes up. In fact, we've got we've had some studies that show that there's actually three times the revenue growth. If you focus on XM, three times the revenue growth, 2.1 times the profitability, and two times the employment retention. So if we can help our customers achieve those outcomes, they will thrive, their employees will thrive, their stakeholders will thrive, our partners will thrive, our company will thrive, and our people will thrive. So Mm. that's what we're focused on is just helping our customers become wildly successful. Sounds like the flywheel that you want to build. So the final question I have, what would great look like for Quadrix in the Asia Pacific and Japan for the next few years? 
I think there's three main things. The first is a continuation of the strategic investments that we're making across the regions in the markets that we serve. The second one is an acceleration of our ecosystem because our partners play such an important part in the success of our customers and also themselves and us as well. And the third one is really the innovation. The constant innovation on our platform is critical. And there is no sign of that slowing down as we look forward into 2023 and beyond. Okay. So, uh, Bridget, many thanks for coming on the show. And in closing, I want to ask just two quick questions. My first question is, do you have any recommendations that have inspired you recently? Well, I'm going to take it back two years. When the pandemic first hit and we couldn't fly anywhere, I really wanted to get to know my people a lot better and the menagerie of cultures and customers that we serve. So I started watching documentaries. I know that's probably not necessarily what people do these days, but really current documentaries on what's happening inside the humans inside each country that I serve. So that's the first thing. But I think if I was to leave you with a book, there's a fantastic book called New Way to Think by Roger Martin. Mm -hmm. And what that book is about is this new world we're operating in, how do organizations need to lead and manage? And chapter one, what... Roger talks about is that competition doesn't happen at the head office. Competition is faced by the employees and the products on the front line. And that's near and dear to my heart because that's part of our objective is to become absolutely mandatory for the front line, whether it's a human or a digital front line of any organization we serve. So that's my top tip for today. Mm. And then how can my audience find you? Our LinkedIn's a great way, or otherwise, just drop us a note on our Qualtrics.com website. But I'd love to mm. hear from people and happy to share those reports as well. And I definitely have an ask for all my audience subscribe to this YouTube channel and subscribe to our newsletter. And of course, we can be found on any many podcast platforms out there. So, Bridget, once again, thank you for coming on the show and share with me the counterintuitiveness of the experience management industry and also Qualtrics as well. I look forward to speak to you in the future and thank you. Thank you so much, Bernard. Thank you very much.